visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But we start off today's English language features with a new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, May 21st. I'm John Van Trieste and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Paula Chow. Hello. Up next, it's not unusual to hear stories of lots of people competing for a few, co few coveted jobs, but these jobs don't usually include cleaner. We're going to be hearing about why a cleaning position in the southern city of Tainan is so competitive that only 7% of candidates are expected to get a job. Then we'll be hearing about Taiwan's first quote-unquote tuition-free university and about a Taiwan-related message that recently appeared in Skywriting over Sydney. All that coming up next. Please stick around. up today, though, we're going to be talking about a controversy that has enveloped Taipei Main Station. As many people who may have visited Taiwan before probably know, uh, the station's main hall, where they sell tickets the old-fashioned way still, uh, I think has a big clock there too, is most notable uh, for its high ceiling, it's a big open like atrium-like space, and its checkerboard floor in the middle. You know, it's got white and black uh, tiles that form a checker checkerboard pattern. And... Until February, when this practice was banned, it was very well known for the fact that people just like would hang around there, um, sitting down, eating stuff. And on the weekends in particular, uh, migrant workers from Southeast Asia would hold social gatherings there. Um, the controversy, though, is not about the, the temporary ban due to COVID-19. That's been going for a while, and no one seems to have too much of a problem with that. It's the question of whether this practice of gathering on the floor in the lobby there should be banned indefinitely or permanently. Um, and there are two uh, quite strong sides about this, uh, people with some strong feelings. I know that our very own Andrew Ryan recently posted, I think, in support of having the gatherings yes. put back together. He and got yelled at. opposed to the ban. And got yelled at, actually, by someone online. Yes. <laughs> Andrew's not one to get in on online arguments, but I thought that was kind of funny. Anyway, um, so... The, the rail company is citing uh, hygiene and image concerns. I mean, I guess they prefer... It does look kind of nice when you can see it all, and especially when they have Christmas trees up around wintertime. But there are some uh, who I think feel that this is maybe, first of all, uh, discriminatory because it is especially migrant workers who gather there on weekends when they have their days off, as, and it's their social area. There's probably, you know... It's the most convenient place to go, and they, they can spend a long time chatting with friends and, you know, eating something. And other people feel that it's just a public space. And in fact, there was a Facebook campaign that uh, was, they, I don't know if they're going to go ahead with this, but it's supposed to be at noon this Saturday. And it's called the Takeover the Taipei Main Station Lobby Floor Protest Movement, where they're telling people to come and observe social distancing. That's still important. But uh, sit, lie, sing, and picnic, that's in quotes, on the floor. Um, and they say that uh, it's a limitation of free access to public space for commercial interests. But uh, other people seem to also worry that like this is maybe not a great time to rescind this ban because of 
you know, we're still fighting off the coronavirus, even though we've gone a long time without any new cases. And others say that they believe train stations should only be used for transportation and not as a social hangout space. Right. But the, the place is so convenient for migrant work, for migrant workers. It's convenient for everyone. Right. I mean, it's right yes. there. It's in the, And it's a huge area. Mm. And they're not bothering anyone. It's not like you're tripping over people. Um I'm sort of not sure how I feel about this, actually. I'm probably one of the only people I know who's kind of not committed either way. I like keeping, like, social distancing and things mm. like that. I think everyone should always wear a mask. And so I think just for the safety of everyone all the time. But at the same time, I see I can see how this could be seen as a discriminatory measure aimed pretty much, not explicitly, but uh, pretty much effectively at migrant workers. And that's not that's not OK. Right. Um, but I think maybe they should wait um, until the pandemic is over. I guess that's probably yeah. how I feel about it, too. Maybe this is not the time to be storming the station and wait till we sort of uh, sort this out when when we've kind of gotten this virus under control. Anyway, that's been a topic of heated debate on the Internet over the last few days here in Taiwan. All right, well, I know that a lot of people will compete, for instance, for jobs in Taiwan's postal service. Or uh, I know we've, we've done stories on this program before about people competing for a few slots uh, for becoming a flight attendant. Um, but these days, uh, it's cleaners in the southern city of Tainan who are facing a lot of competition to get in. Right, maybe because it has something to do with our sluggish economy. Well, Tainan City um, is planning to hire 300 cleaners. But guess what? Um, about 4,300 um, people signed up. Wow. What kind yeah. of cleaners? Like uh, street sweepers or... Street they... cleaners. Right. So okay. Yeah, so the chances of success is 7%. And guess what? The youngest applicant is 18 years old, and the oldest applicant is a 74-year-old man. That's quite a broad age range there. But I'm kind of, right. I'm kind of surprised, though, because well, I guess you do see people like clipping bushes alongside, you know, roads as part of like city beautification projects and stuff like that. But in my neighborhood, for instance, we have street cleaners, but they're volunteers. They're volunteers? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. I think oh, they are. Oh, I didn't know that. I think we're, I think they are. Right. They've got like, they have like, a, they get their little vest that like tells people who are driving or on scooters to slow down and they have like a little flag mm-hmm. on top of their trash can. I think the, the ones in our neighborhood are, vol- I might be wrong about that. but Right. But this is a permanent um position this is a part-time job so can you imagine that it's really competitive and all these applicants to be a qualified cleaner you have to carry a heavy rice bag and you have to run and 30 meters back and forth so altogether 60 meters i know that there's a lot of movement involved but i don't imagine it's like that kind of a that sounds like a military <laughs> qualification, well, Joel. Not maybe. Yeah, I guess it's similar to that. But anyway, I don't think it's that strenuous. It is pretty strenuous for um, you know male applicants. The rice bag is about 15, um, uh, 50, uh, 15 kilograms. You know, okay. it's pretty heavy for women. That's eight kilograms. But why the 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 the, the trash bins that I've seen here in Taipei and anyway are wheelie bins? Like they're not they're on wheels. Like they're not they drag them with them. They're not carrying them on their backs. Right, but I guess every once in a while they have to carry something. You know, pretty heavy. Okay. Right. Anyway, right. so the um this is the Tainan city is is asking you know applicants. Um, to do a self-evaluation beforehand. If physically, if you are not able to do that, you know, don't you know? Don't give it a try. Wow. 
They're, that's uh, probably the toughest cleaning qualifications I've ever heard of. Yes, yeah. Um, the chances of success are pretty slim. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think the bigger issue is, can you take being out in the sun? Because mm. we're getting on towards summertime. Right. And in Tainan, we're talking about southern Taiwan now. Right. It's bad enough here in Taipei, but down there it's a furnace. Right. So I can see how that could be a, 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 an issue. You don't mm. want to get heat stroke. Like you have to be a pretty tough way where that's concerned. Uh, but I've never seen any of the street cleaners where I am carrying heavy loads. They're just like dragging a trash bin with them. And they've got like a little little sort of like a broom made of twigs almost. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I never knew it was that difficult. It is difficult. <laughs> is but the pay it, any good? Um, I don't know, but it's a part-time job. So oh, okay. it also shows that. You know, our economy is not in good shape. Well, I think a lot of people who are in like the tourism industry are, are definitely um, looking for something to make ends meet. So, I, okay, I can see that. Tainan does have a, a lot of tourism, and so I can see how they could be taking a hit, especially right now. I must admit I had not heard of this university until just now, but it is in the news, and the reason is because it announced on May 19th, on Tuesday, that uh, it's going to offer scholarships that are equivalent to a year's tuition uh, to every undergraduate student starting in September, which effectively renders it tuition-free. Uh, in Taiwan, it's not as expensive to go to school as it is in some other parts of the world, but it's still not an insignificant amount. Uh, the scholarship and the tuition are the equivalent of 3,600 U.S. dollars, it looks like, annually. Uh, and for young people in Taiwan especially, who are maybe making of close to minimum wage, that's really nothing to, to sneeze at. Um, anyway, there is a bit of a catch, though. Uh, it's... Going, they're going to make uh, freshmen complete take a campus campus maintenance elective course and participate in campus maintenance work for five hours a week. Oh, so there are strings attached. Of course, there are strings attached <laughs> because this is actually going to cost the university about a hundred million NT dollars a year in losses, mm. lost revenue. Um, uh, it's not a big university. Uh, there's only nine hundred forty students, so I, that would explain why I haven't heard of it. But uh, it actually is. N in New Taipei, in the Shirting District, so in a kind of rural area. Uh, I'm not sure what the school's known for, but that, that is kind of interesting. Uh, and if they're past their freshman year, then what do they do? They have to find a study partner, this article says, and submit what, they, what they're calling a creative co-study plan in order to qualify. Uh, it does not explain what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, but uh, let's see, after granting the $45,000 per semester creative co-scholarship to each team member, the school will also provide each of each pair with a studio. So I'm guessing it's art-based. Mm -hmm. uh, that's interesting. I, I don't know. So you get, a, in addition to free tuition, also a studio to do work on. And I'm sure... So it sounds like they want to have the cake and, and eat it too. The students do, sure. Right. Uh, and it sounds like actually a pretty good deal, especially if you're like a, a budding artist creating a portfolio mm. anyway. Having a free workspace sounds kind of nice. Um, according to the provost at this school, the creative uh, co-study scholarship for this group of students is actually not hard to qualify for, for so long the only other string attached once you have it is that you have to have at least 80% attendance rate in classes. Oh, <laughs> Maybe that speaks to, um, I think our college students are a bit spoiled, honestly. 
only 80%. Uh, it's, that's not asking too much, I don't think. Right. But uh, that's an interesting idea. I wonder. I can't see some of our big-name schools here implementing that. No way. I but don't think Taiwan's top universities I, will do something similar like that. I, I can't imagine so. it, no. Uh, but it could catch on. I know that uh, a lot of we do have sort of a university overload, and uh, a lot of schools with especially declining well, it's been going on for a long time now. Uh, birth rate means fewer students for them to compete among themselves. It definitely is a smart move, I think, to try and I'm sure that's going to at least attract some students' attention, if not applications. So there you go. Maybe it'll catch on. Well, for three times so far, the words Taiwan can help have appeared in the skies over Australia. Um, um, I'm sure that that baffled a lot of local people, <laughs> but it does have a purpose to it. The most recent time, by the way, was also on Tuesday, May 19th. And the reason that these words are being skywritten over Sydney specifically is that there's a group of local Taiwanese doctors or Taiwan-born doctors, I think, who are trying to build support for Taiwan's participation in the WHO. WHO. Uh, I think we've announced this in our news to the point where everyone is sick of hearing it, uh, but we'll say it once again. We've been blocked from their, uh, well, it's basically their governing body, isn't it? The World Health Assembly for four years. They meet once a year, and we used to be an observer, and then Tsai Ing-wen became president, and uh, China decided that that was going to stop. And so this year also, we were not allowed back in to everyone's disappointment. But uh, these doctors, at least, are trying to change Australian public <laughs> opinion. It definitely is a hard to miss message, isn't it? Mm. Um, and so it's actually over Sydney Harbour. So maybe with COVID-19, not the best time because there's no tourists around, I guess. But still very visible. And uh, lots of people p took a picture of of the writing with their smartphones and posted it and probably wondering at first what what's going on what here. does that mean yeah um apparently um though this is the third time like i said that this is recently this message has appeared over australia uh one day it looked like it was over the capital canberra as well so this was may 16th 17th and 19th that these incidents happened um so yeah they're uh, Australia-based Taiwanese physicians, there's 26 of them all together, and what they're hoping people will do, I guess, is Google it, first of all, because it's a slogan that the foreign ministry here has been using for a while. Taiwan can help is sort of like what they put. They, right. they paste that or... or uh, Taiwan can help or Taiwan is helping. Right, yeah. one of those two. Sometimes together, right. either they print out, you know, um, sort of uh, pieces of paper with that printed on it and attach it to the boxes that we ship medical supplies to other countries and donated medical supplies. And a lot of events have featured banners with the slogan, too. So I guess what they're hoping people will do is look it up. Right, like because Taiwan doesn't want to, you know, confuse with China. Right. Yeah, and also I think the other point is to make people aware that we're doing making these donations. Um, I certainly know that people I've talked to overseas, until I told them about it, hadn't heard. Oh. It's been sort of underappreciated, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, we, of course, love to pat ourselves on the back here. So we talk about it all the time in the news. But I think what people don't realize is uh, that maybe not as much attention as it deserves has been given to this We have donated, I guess, over um, 10 million face oh, masks to A significant number. Right. I think that a lot of, first of all, we, we're sort of... Uh, I guess it has to do a lot of, with our position in the international media. Usually we're only ever brought up when China is involved. There's some tension. And then also 
in on top of all that, of course, a lot of countries around the world are definitely dealing with their own domestic issues at the moment with this virus. So I think the donation, while appreciated, maybe not at the top of the not like here where it's like the top mm. top top headline news, you know. So um, anyway, this is getting the message out. Um, it's encouraging also Australia, which I think had put they had some people there uh, voicing support for us. I don't think that was an official government position, but there were some prominent Australians supporting us. And um, hopefully, maybe next year, when we have this World Health Assembly, uh, we'll be allowed in. Uh, let's see. It cost a lot of dollars, of course, but uh, to, to, to have this written. Apparent, but apparently, they, wrote, they raised about 10,000 Australian dollars or 6,500 US dollars through their online campaign. Um, so I'm not sure. It looks like that money probably went to pay for the... Skywriting? That's kind of expensive. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, this is what I was looking for. Australian MP David Smith, I guess is among those who's voiced um, support for us, has stated that it was a good time for the international community to pay attention to the issue of Taiwan's WHA you know, role. He said it was, quote, clearly a mistake to exclude important members of the international community, such as Taiwan. I think we're the only big international part of the community, uh, international community that's been excluded so far. I can't think of anyone else who's been left out. Anyway, um, so uh, publicity stunt, but I think it definitely has done what it was intended to do. Anyway, people are hopefully finding out more about what we can offer. All right, Paula. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story you have here. Three sisters all decided to get married yesterday. Why did they decide to do all do it on the same day? Weren't they afraid they would like overshadow each other, upstage no, each other? To make things easier, it's to make things easier for um, you know their relatives in France. So the three sisters said, "Why don't we all get married on the same day?" And May twentieth is a you know is an auspicious date because um, May twenty May. Uh, in Chinese, as wu, uh, wu, and 20th is a... Is a two arsh, zero. Right, two zero. Wu er ling. So wu er ling sounds like... Not really. Is, like wu ai ni, the other three uh, words, I love you. So yeah. you know, people think that's an auspicious day. <laughs> when did people start thinking that? Because they don't sound at all, at all alike to me. People right. have been people have been like pushing this. This is not, by the way, when we say auspicious, I don't think we mean like in the traditional sense not of the word. Not in the traditional sense. It's right. more of a modern, modern almost like not Valentine's yeah. Day, but like one of those things. It's a bit. Anyway, it's gimmicky, but right okay. because May twenty, that's the the day when Taiwan's leaders uh, are sworn in inauguration day. Right. Right. So I understand it. It it will have it would have um, special significance for same sex couples because this uh -huh. is also the date when. Uh, same-sex marriage was legalized in Taiwan oh, yeah. last year, but I mean these are heterosexual couples right. we're talking about, right? Heterosexuals. So right. I don't... it probably carries more significance yeah. for gay couples. I think like yeah. for them it's just kind of it sounds not even. Let, well, repeat those two again for, and let our listeners judge. I don't think they sound at all like so. Five two zero. The dates. The date is. And I love you is. Yeah, no, the tones are the same, right. and that's about it. <laughs> Uh, and not it's all of them. The last stretched. one's different. The last one's a different tone. Okay. Right. But anyway. anyway, people think that well, that's you know, it's in anyway, it's, it's a, something positive. Okay. People have so, decided that they sound right. alike. So, okay. so they decided to um, get married all on the same day, and their mothers start, you know, were crying because you know this is the the, the, the I mean the day <laughs> when all three daughters were you know they all married out. Oh, know, it's the big day times three. Right. 
Yes, but she's also pretty happy. And Triple the emotions. Right. <laughs> and then according to, um, you know, New Taipei City's Household Registration Office, May 20th is a popular day for, you know, marriage uh, uh, registration. And then just, uh, you know, uh, he said that, you know, that guy, um, the, the registration office said that um, um, until um, Wednesday noon, already more than 20 couples, you know, have registered. Is that more than normal, though? I don't really have a sense of what's I'm normal. I'm not really sure it's more than normal, but it's a lot, um, a lot more than regular days. Uh, it's hard to tell because we're saying this is a sort of a modern tradition. Mm. But um, I mean, there are in the traditional calendar days that are considered. I, mean, I think they vary by year. Um, oh yes. Based on different astrological or whatever influences that are considered good days for marriage. If you get married on this day, you're going to have a good marriage. Right. Whereas if you do it on the wrong day, and so. So that's why I say I don't have like a concept of what's normal because it really does fluctuate from people look at these calendars and decide. When I got married, I did, you know, uh, you know look at um, the farmer's calendar okay. to pick a, 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 an auspicious day. Yeah, that farmer's al- almanac. People do take that kind of seriously. Right. Shirley's daughter also, I think that was that recent wedding last year was chosen carefully. Well, because it doesn't hurt if you, you know, just you know, follow the tra- that tradition. And and she said that uh, it was hard to get, as a result, it was hard to get a banquet hall because they oh, were all yes, booking Oh, yes, of course, because, because, you know, they all have all been booked um, beforehand. And sometimes months in advance. Right, yes. A very long time in advance. So I guess they had planned this out beforehand. Hopefully they all had... That must have been a crazy reception, though, because you've got... Um, well, if they're the three sisters are from the same family, but they're not marrying brothers, right? So you've got three grooms' families. Yes. That's a lot... It's that must lot. have been financially ruinous because just one <laughs> wedding in Taiwan can be outrageous. Three at once, man. Maybe they can, that can save a lot of money if Could you want to do that. You have to invite three times as many guests, which means, well, they pay actually in Taiwan. They give oh, yes. you those red right. packets. Will, you know, usually but, the guests will cover up, I mean, it will cover the cost for the, uh, you know, right, but for the, the newlyweds. But it's hard to say whether you'll break even or not, even though instead of gifts, they do give cash because it depends on how close the guests are. And there's not really a set formula for how much. So if they're cheap, I mean, you could right. not, you could fail to break even. Usually it should be, um, you know, they should be able to, you know, break even. But they're that doing this in, be... in New Taipei, right? Right. It's in New Taipei. So I understand that that's, uh, there's a strong regional disparity. If you're in one of these urban centers, it can be really pricey. Oh, yes. Right. So, I mean, surely, I'm just the only one that I've really have. I've been to two weddings in Taiwan. Shirley's uh, daughter is the most recent one. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was very fancy. And the other one that I went to as well, very, like... I I can't imagine that renting one of those enormous halls out, and they were they were huge, with like fancy lights so you can do like mm-hmm. project light shows. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, like seriously, there's pro- screens. They they all come also the the modern weddings these halls with um an MC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anywhere else that I've been to a wedding, like there really wasn't anyone in charge it's like people just kind of all figured it out as they went along but these ones and they're not people who are like tied to the family they're professionals right that the hall provides i think oh, yes. and so like mm-hmm. they're not connected to you in any way you're paying them to be there on top of and then there's the food which you have to impress people with a lot of very gourmet selections i remember seeing lobster making an appearance at shirley's daughter's wedding that can't have been Lobster, you know. abalone. I mean, these know, things, those things that, pricey ingredients that people normally, you know, we won't have them. You would never eat them anywhere else because right. they're just they just cost too much. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going on the cost of the wedding. <laughs> I guess you can uh, see how I view these things. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, three weddings at once. That's quite something. 
All right, well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. We hope you enjoyed that discussion of weddings and how much they cost. <laughs> All right, well, uh, up next, we've got hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained and In the Spotlight. So please do stay tuned for all of that. For now, though, I'm John Van Trieste. In the Paula Channel. See you. Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Now, before the coronavirus pandemic hit the world, one of the news stories we focused on around here at Radio Taiwan International were the Hong Kong pro-democracy protests. Now, don't be fooled. Even with the COVID-19 virus going around, these demonstrations are still happening. Taiwan and Hong Kong have had each other's backs when it comes to fending off Chinese oppression, so much so that some Hong Kongers come to Taiwan to seek refuge. Last week, one very famous Hong Konger, actually an actor, caught a lot of attention online when he said that he might be becoming Taiwanese. I've got that story for you coming up here. Don't go away. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about the beautiful city of Hong Kong and its wonderful people. Taiwan is often seen as a refuge for people from Hong Kong escaping political persecution. One person that's successfully taken refuge in Taiwan? Lam Wingke, a bookstore owner from Hong Kong that the Chinese government detained for selling books that were critical of the Chinese Communist Party. Lam moved to Taiwan last year and opened up a bookstore in Taipei last month. On Facebook, the response to the bookstore has been overwhelming. There has been photos of the shelves being cleaned out shortly after the bookstore opened because people just really wanted to support him and his endeavors in Taiwan. Now it looks like another prominent Hong Konger might be moving to Taiwan as well. I'm talking about Anthony Wong. And yes, I'm talking about that Anthony Wong, the famous Hong Kong actor who's worked in films in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and the US. You see, earlier this week on Facebook, Wong revealed that he was in Taiwan undergoing a mandatory 14-day quarantine. He said he was having fun by himself and answered fans' questions to pass the time. One comment, however, caught quite a bit of attention. Amanda Wu told Wong that since he's in Taiwan, he might as well apply for citizenship. And Wong responded by saying that he's getting ready to. That thread just straight up went... Poof. 
kablamo because people in Taiwan were so excited at the prospect of Anthony Wong becoming a Taiwanese citizen. The comment got so much attention that Wong had to make a separate post saying, Thank you to everyone for your concern. I'm still in quarantine. I will follow all of Taiwan's rules. Right now, I can't reveal too much, but thank you again for your concern. Wong has had a history of speaking up for pro-democracy groups in Hong Kong, so having Taiwanese citizenship might be appealing to him. But right now, Wong is just getting ready to film a series. However, that said, I would love it if Wong became a Taiwanese citizen. That way, he can go and convince Chun Yao-Fet to do the same. Not saying I like Chun Yao-Fet more. The more prominent people in Taiwan, the better, you know. I don't have any favoritism one way or the other. Who am I? I'm just a dude speaking to a camera. That wasn't just any guy. That was Leslie Liao with hashtag Taiwan. Now be sure to follow us on social media and leave a comment below. We would love to hear from you. This is Taiwan Explained, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. In today's Taiwan Explained, I'm going to tell you what it's like to eat in a restaurant in Taiwan in the time of coronavirus. All right, you got 60 seconds. Are you ready, Andrew? I think so. Go. All right. Because the cases of coronavirus have been relatively few in Taiwan, less than 450 so far, that means that a lot of restaurants have stayed open for sit-down customers. But there are a lot of rules in place to keep you safe while you're dining in. If a server puts a gun to your head, don't worry, they're probably just taking your temperature. Then they spray your hands and al with alcohol before you enter. Larger venues and events require you to leave your name and contact information. Staff members regularly disinfect restaurants, including tables, menus, and dishes. And staff must wear masks and wash their hands. Now, a couple other things that you'll notice when eating out in Taiwan. 
People use gong kuai or communal chopsticks rather than using their own chopsticks to serve themselves. Some restaurants have removed tables and blocked off seating to ensure proper social distancing. These are the signs you'll see on the tables at one restaurant. And some restaurants have even erected plastic dividers between diners. Final tips, make sure you wash your hands. And if you're feeling sick, why don't you order takeout? Good job, Andrew. Thank you. Very good. So things have changed a lot here in Taiwan since the coronavirus came. Definitely. Have you been eating out? I have, um, not as much as before, but well, in the very beginning when we knew about the pandemic, restaurant business went way down. Yes. But I've noticed that since around Mother's Day, I couldn't get a table at some restaurants. Really? Yeah. So it's picking up again, I think partly because there's been very, no domestic cases for about a month mm -hmm. and um, these holidays, you know, where you're used to eating out. Yeah. People are feeling a little bit more safe about going out. But, you know, all the servers are wearing masks mm -hmm. and they do try to distance you if they can. Mm -hmm. So it is different than before. I remember the first time I went to eat um, after the whole outbreak started, I was really nervous taking my mask off in the restaurant to eat because I was thinking, well, I'm exposed. But uh, there haven't been any cases where, or I think very few cases where people have been infected in restaurants, you know, because people are very careful to wash their hands. Yep. Yeah. So we are eating pretty well here in Taiwan. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Hopefully you will be able to do that soon in your part of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Darren Ye is the Director of Operations at Complexity Consulting Firm, and he's also an independent art curator. Uh, he speaks English, French, and Spanish, and he went to military high school. He had the experience of um, visiting West Point, yes, the U.S. Military uh, Academy, and also the White House. And uh, he has come back to Taiwan to start a program in training future leaders. We're going to hear more from him today, so join me right now. Okay, so while you were in Paris, okay, on this exchange yes. program, you were also at the same time doing an online program with MIT, learning about yes. this theory U. Now, in your own words and in simple English, can you explain what theory U is about and how it has helped you? Um, the reason why I know about theory U is because I took system thinking course back in global MBA program. It was told by a very famous uh, system thinker called Joe Shea, who is my boss right now. <laughs> so, wow. uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Joe Shea, uh, he's my professor, and he, told, and he told me system thinking, enlightened me the importance of system thinking. After I come back uh, from Paris and for a while, and then he invited me to join his consulting firm. So that's why I'm now in Omplicity. The professor, Joe Shea, uh, he taught in Taiwan, NTU, also Harvard University for system thinking. Oh, I see. And he's in Taiwan. Mm, yes, Taiwan. What an honor. 
Yes,、yeah, right. really an honor for me.、Yes. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so why is this business management so important? You think、uh, when it comes to building up a complete person, building up yeah, individual talents. Business training help you to understand how the world works. How does the world function? And you know better even every decision that you make. If you have a business thinking behind, and you think is totally different. Not to mention if your system thinking and business thinking both actually help to see what is the vision, and also help to see、uh, what what is your next step, the leverage point. And so it actually help you to have a very efficient life. Now let's、uh, go into the very last part, which is art. How does art come、yes. in here? You know, with your military background and then your business mind and art. So, how come you fell in love with art? There was.、Um, I'm quite lucky.、Uh, I I can travel every winter and summer vacation back in、uh, college, like which is also which is a military school. Yeah.、Um, so every summer and the winter vacation, I travel. Backpacker to see the world, and I visit a lot of museum, and that inspires me a lot. So I like art. I you know ever since that time when I was twenty two or something, and gradually I got some, you know, I got some salary, I got some money. I trying to do、uh, investment, buying a mutual fund, stock, house. Blah blah blah, and I found ah,、uh, art can be also an investment. Not only this, I also、uh, got a chance to visit a lot of、uh, artists, gallery owners, and I love those people. I would say they're very, they live a very interesting life,、mm. and makes me really want to support them with my, with collecting art. So、uh, I think.、Um, I've collect. I have been collecting art for more than eight years. So、mm-hmm. gradually, you know, I I use ten、uh, percent of my year year salary to buying art、mm-hmm. uh, slowly, slowly, and、uh-huh. in get in talk with artists and to know more about、uh, how art inspire them. And then I I just feel like I want to help them more.、Mm-hmm. So that drives me to do something related with art. What kind of art do you like most, or you have varied interests in art? Yeah, due to the budget concern, <laughs> I、uh, focus on photography art because the price is not too high, and <laughs>、yeah. also they have a great pre- potential in the future.、Uh. So, so I collect、uh, collect a few、uh, masterpieces of、uh, photography art. Oh, I see. Is there any artist that you particularly follow? Are, are there any Taiwanese photographers that you follow? So many. Oh, really? I, oh, okay. I got, yeah, I I got the my collection. I do have、uh, Hiroshi Sukimoto.、Uh, he's a world famous photographer,、uh-huh. and I also have、uh, Sun Zhaoliang, who is a very famous、uh, famous photo artist in Taiwan.、Mm. And、oh, also Ran、wow. uh, Weiming, and also very famous photography artist in Taiwan. Well, I feel ashamed. I don't know, don't seem to realize the, who these people are. But、uh, I'm sure you have a good taste of art. Period. Okay. And so, do you? So actually, you're an art curator now,、um, as a collector. But you also actually offer. Wait, do you have? Are you helping any art galleries as a consultant or? 
I don't know, marketing manager or something? Yes. Um, well, for me, um, the more I, I know about art, I found uh, how I can help them. So I got invited to um, to help um, Afomosa, which is um, organizer, which is the company uh, specialized in running affairs in Taiwan and uh, Hong Kong. Hmm. So it's Afomosa and Agaoshong. I don't know if you ever heard of that. So uh, the concept of affair is affair invited to gallery from all over the world and hosting a fair and also invited a lot of uh, collectors coming over to see uh, to see the art, to talk with the gallery owners and purchase art afterwards. What's your future plan for your for yourself? Your business, your your art interest, your art hobby, and how does this all kind of combine together and connect together? I found that I'm a good marketer, so uh, I try to help people with my limited ability. Let's say um, for art, I I saw Taiwanese art world is a little bit limited in Taiwan. Mm. So I help I help Taiwanese artists to have ex- exhibition all over the world. I even help artists to sign contract with foreign gallery so that the foreign gallery can promote Taiwanese artists. Oh, that's so, great. Yes, so those jobs um, makes me feel very proud and uh, very happy about this. So I think I found this is meaningful. And then to the system consulting work that I'm, I'm doing, I am big fan for system thinking. I really believe from my, from my heart that... Um, we need to have uh, system thinking in mind in order to do system change. There are so many people that have silo thinking, silo actions. That's why the world is not perfect like right now. So uh, my job is to help people to know more about system thinking, to apply system thinking in their daily life, to make a world a better place. So I found aspiration for this. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Can you explain in like easy English for those of us who are not that smart, the difference between system thinking and silo thinking? Have you heard of a story called the Xia Zi Mo Xiang, the blind people and the elephant? So normally when you see, you thought yourself see a very clear picture but actually it's not. You thought yourself, normally the company owner, what they see, and the senior manager, what they see, and the, the, the ground workers, what they see, could be totally different. But uh, they always have a silo thinking and silo action to do stuff. But it doesn't help the company to moving forward. So what we do is we use system thinking approach Let's say we help those um, uh, different people from different departments. We gather all the um, intelligence, the group intelligence together. We create a, a system map. We help them to make a system mapping for them to see where they are, how they can work together for greater vision. And we, as a facilitator, we help them to see picture of what's going on right now and what kind of uh, vision they will want to go to. 
and we facilitate the process. So our company, what we do is process consultant instead of um, expert consultant. I know BCG, McKinsey, they are expert consultant. They told their client what to do. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's quite different. We are, as a, as a facilitator, we help the client to see the current situation and we help them to um, collaborate and uh, to find, figure out what is the share the vision and we facilitate the process for them to go toward the share the vision. So do you think most Taiwanese companies are now working towards system thinking? Of course not. That's why <laughs> we have opportunity. Oh, that's sad. Okay. All right. Well, you're so important. <laughs> well, some do. Some some come to us. Some big company, they come to us. And then we, we have a great uh, process. And then we slowly, because, you know, my boss, Joe Shea, uh, he used to be a UN um, consultant. consultant a World Bank consultant and travel around the world. And uh, only last year, he decided to settle down in Taiwan wow. to, really, to, to really help Taiwan uh, to be better because he's also Taiwanese. And oh. Yes, he's also Taiwanese. Okay. So, um, but he found that he wanted to settle down here and to really help Taiwan. And so for us, we, we now we have a public training course. We have corporate training course. We want to help more people to, uh, to find the shared vision, collective, collaborative action, and leverage, help them to find the leverage point to solve problems. Because normally in daily operation, we can see some problem. Um, it happens again and again. And, but it's not um, any problem from any human being. It could be a system problem. So how can we correct the system or make us redesign the system and to regenerate um, the company to, toward a better share vision? So that's kind of uh, what we do. So did you answer my question as to what's, the, what's your dream for your future? That's a really good question. I have my theory to this. I'm, I'm also Buddhist, so... Uh, in my life, there are so many things going on, as I just introduced. There is nothing planned. So I never plan anything, and it just happened. So when you, people ask me, what do I want to do that in the future? And to be honest, I, I don't have any pictures. I don't have any idea. What I know is I have a growth mindset. I, I love when things get done, when I learn something new. So I will continue discover my potential, uh, just like uh, Leonardo da Vinci. During that time, he, he's everything. He did a lot of stuff. But now in Taiwan, many people are asked to do only one job. They follow the one job and retire. I found that is a little bit too lazy. <laughs> Why not think outside the box to, to leave the comfort zone? to discover more about your potential. So for me, I ask myself that I, I want to uh, have life that is no limitation. So whatever that can happen, bring it on. I, I just, you know, whatever happened, I accept and I just go for it. So so if you ask me any um, future dream, I, I have no idea now. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, well, that's very different from some other people's answers. That's definitely one of a kind. I totally understand what you're saying. That is true. Just take life as it comes, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I knew I knew I like、uh, system thinking. I knew I like art. That's it. So I just continue. <laughs> I just continue work on these two fields and to see how far it can go. Well, that sounds good to me. Thank you so much,、Thank、Darren.、You. That was really interesting. It really,、uh, you. you have a very interesting life, and、um, thank you so much for sharing. Really, yeah. Good luck with everything you pursue, and、uh, you live life to the full, yeah,、uh, one day at a time,、yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I try to. All、yeah. right. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the day at the following times and frequencies. In Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.